0: The following program is an encore presentation of the Positive Mind Radio Show. everybody, this is Kevin O'Donoghue, Licensed Mental Health Counselor.
1: And I'm Nesima Diane Diemer, Licensed Massage Therapist and Trauma Specialist. And this is The Positive Mind.
0: Where we bring you some ideas, concepts, and guests to help you lead a more positively-minded life. And we had to bring back Charlie Winninger, the author of the book, Listening to Ecstasy, The Transformative Power of MDMA, because I left Nesima's last week's show with a warm heart. And I want more of it. So I want to welcome Charlie Winninger back to talk about his book, The Breakthrough Book, that is coming out November 10th well, on Amazon. It came
1: out. It came out November well, 10th. It,
0: I'm, what am I saying? What day is it? I know it seems like a year ago since the election, but what a way to celebrate the election. Uh, either way... If you Either way it comes out, Listening to Ecstasy is the first book you need to read post-election because it will warm your heart. The transformative power of MDMA. Charlie Winninger, welcome back to The Positive Mind. Thank you.
2: It's wonderful to be here again.
0: You know, Charlie, we want to create now for a full hour. I know I think 15 minutes into our last show, I said I had the fantasy that we would have a, a one-hour show where we felt what it was like to be on an MDMA experience. Let's try and do it for the full hour. So I'm going to quote your book to get you started again. I cannot unsee what I've seen or unknow what I've touched and felt with my own hands and heart. I cannot unenlighten myself after I have trespassed the gates of heaven and had the angel wink and shoo me inside for a look around. Have you seen angels on MDMA? And uh, (laughs) how is it inside there?
2: It helps me get in touch with with my better angels. Uh, And I I believe that we are, one one reason that we're here on Earth is to pull heaven down closer to Earth. And I do believe that I have seen or tasted uh, what it's like to, uh, to what what Nirvana is like, um, and whether it's my personal experiences with MDMA or group experiences with MDMA, uh, I, I know that uh, that heaven is possible here. Uh, it already exists in our hearts, and MDMA helps remind us, so it certainly reminds me that this is uh, what we're here for. We're really here to help each other, and to, uh, to love each other, and to contribute to each other's lives.
0: And uh, I, I don't want to rehash last week's show when you talk a lot about how um, MDMA is a real heart connector and a way of uh, ridding ourselves of this trance that we're all separate individuals, but actually that we're really very connected but Charlie, before we go there, I, I just wanna reiterate that again, you're not promoting or selling MDMA and that you are only encouraging taking it responsibly. We know- I'm not
2: even i c I'm not even encouraging taking it responsibly. I um I'm not here to promote the use of MDMA. It's an illegal substance. Uh uh you could can uh, potentially get into trouble obtaining it or, or, or having it on your, on your person. Um, I'm here really, and the book is written really, to just testify as to what it has, it has done for me yeah. and what it has done for my wife and many of our friends. I can't say it's definitely going to do this for everyone. Right. This is a personal testimony, and, and that's what it's about.
0: Well, I'm glad you you cleared that up and you said that very straight. Um, I do want to make uh, my own um, uh, belief that it is going to be legal at some point, certainly prescribable, um, and all the uh, investigation and research on its points in that direction. Uh, but your book is, is such a nice a personal account of your journey with MDMA, yours and Shelley's together, Um, And since we covered a lot of ground last week, I wanted to talk right off the bat uh, about some of the do's and don'ts, how to take it safely if you are going to go get it and you are going to use it as a life enhancer, that what should the person do in preparation and post-experience? Yes. So if you are
2: going to do it, and again, this is outlined in my, uh, my chapter about a guide to safe use in the book. Uh, you have to pay attention to several details. Uh, first of all, you've got to make sure that you're uh, about to ingest pure MDMA. Something sold as ecstasy or molly, that's called MDMA, isn't necessarily that. So the way to guarantee that you're having pure MDMA is to... Go on the online and go to dancesafe.org, dancesafe.org, and order a testing kit, which is not too expensive. It's, it's $65, uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's legal. And uh, you get that testing kit, and you test it before you buy it and certainly before you use it. Uh, and so you're only using pure MDMA. You also need a scale so to, to measure your dose, you don't want to do more than 120 milligrams. And if you're older, like I am, maybe 100 milligrams or 90 milligrams, because as we get older, we get more sensitive to, uh, to, to drugs. Um, so uh, you're regulating your dosage. You're, you're making sure it's pure. You have careful attention to set and setting, set being your mindset going in. Um, if you're in the middle of uh, an intense crisis, it might not be the best time to do it. Um, if, uh, uh, and, if, and, and your setting has to be, is, your setting is your surroundings. So uh, you have to make sure that you're in surroundings that are in your control the first time uh, that you do this and uh, preferably at home and only with the people that you want to have there. And you have no other responsibilities for the day and you have no responsibilities that night and nothing to do the next day. The next day should be that night. You should sleep it off and the next day should be one of calm, reflection and integration. You don't do it on a Sunday where you have to go to work on a Monday. You do it on a Saturday and have the Sunday off. So these are harm reduction protocols for the safe use of MDMA.
0: And what about hydration and water? Because a lot of people yes, talk thank about you. That, yeah.
2: um, you want to keep yourself well hydrated during during the time.
0: Uh,
2: a good uh, if if it's normal temperatures and you're not sweating, uh, just to drink a good liter of water during the entire time of the uh, of the experience, which is five to six hours. That that much water just to stay adequately hydrated. At night before you go to sleep, yeah. I'm sorry, uh, to at night before you go to sleep, take uh, uh, about 100 milligrams of 5-HTP, which is cheap and legal to obtain. It's over the counter in any CVS or Rite Aid store. Um, it's a supplement that helps replenish the serotonin that you
0: lose in the course of the experience. I want to talk a little bit about testimonials from people. Who have done it, and about integration? Can you mm-hmm. give us a picture of what integration looks like? What would somebody say in an integration uh, experience? Because I think integration is critical. It's not a drug that. It's not a substance that you want to do on your own. I mean, you can, and you you do it with your wife, and you do it with men, and you do it with groups as well. Um, but to me, it's it's such a rich social uh, experience that. I think the integration aspect of it is just as important as the experience of it.
2: Yes, uh, if without the integration, it's just a, it can just be a very nice experience, but doesn't necessarily have to uh, improve your life. Uh, really, to enhance your life, you need to integrate it into your life, and there are many ways of doing that. One wonderful way is um, by uh, being in psychotherapy or at least having a, a therapy session planned for uh, within a few days of the MDMA experience. So you can talk to a, a therapist uh, about it. Um, and if you're not in therapy, to have uh, a, a good friend or family member who you trust, who you know is not going to judge you, um, to share your experience with. And somebody who can just listen and and receive you and and, and understand what... Uh, and help you understand what you've just been through. Also uh, meditation is a wonderful way of integrating the experience into your life and uh, to maybe do some reevaluating about what you want your life to be. Uh, I've used it to reset my compass from time to time, my direction, my, my GPS about where I want to go, what kind of life I want to lead. And, and, how I want to lead it. This has to do also with improving my relationships. And so one way I integrate this into my life is realizing that if I have static between me and a friend, if there's something that is left unsaid, um, that is getting in the way of the friendship uh, to say it, to find a way to say it in, in a way that the other person can really hear it uh, and clean up my relationships. Uh, and any. Muck that's in the way, including, of course, and my primary relationship with my wife. If there's any static in the way, uh, to uh, to just get it all out there and improve my relationships, because it's the quality of my relationship that really uh, that really matters, uh, and it helps improve the quality of my life, and, and of course, the life of the people who's, who's, uh, of the people I touch.
0: Have you heard people sort of say, "Well, this is from their experience"? Because in your book, you you do have some testimonials. But have you uh, have you heard people say, "This is the first time I've ever felt"? Yes. Fill in the blank.
2: Yes. Uh, like like uh, I said, first time Shelley did it. My wife, uh, it was like she came out of a long sleep. Uh, the first time she ever felt completely. Uh, safe and and alive and completely comfortable in her body. It was the first time she ever really was able to accept her body. She has a, a weight issue, um, like a lot of people. And she's very open about this, so I can talk about it. Uh, uh, and she realized that uh, MDMA has helped her accept that yeah, I might have, uh, I might have be some, uh, some, some pounds overweight, but I'm really a beautiful person, and a really physically beautiful woman, uh, and, um, and I can love myself and my body. It's helped her accept herself uh, and, uh, and alter and, and, and mute the, the harsh critical voice that uh, she uh, absorbed from her mother.
0: It is a psychedelic that you can look in the mirror. (laughs) There are some psychedelics you're advised not to look in the mirror, but this is one where it's okay. And you share in the book where Shelley looks in the mirror and he says, "You know what? I am beautiful. I'm a beautiful person." Yes, I look beautiful. Yeah.
1: Well, it sounds like it gives you both experiences: one of being able to connect to others, but also to be able to connect to yourself in a way that maybe you've never connected with with the same sort of acceptance and love and maybe sensual pleasure of yourself that yes. you haven't ever experienced. So it kind of That's makes right. sense that it kind of is a two-way experience. It's not only out, but it's also in.
2: That's right. And as you know, uh, what is in uh, affects what is out. You're, 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 the way you relate to yourself is going to have an indelible influence on the way you relate to the people around you. And so if you can shift your relationship to yourself in a positive way. And MDMA is a medicine that can help. It helps me do that. It helps Shelly do that. It's helped many people I know do that. Then it can help shift our way, the way we relate to others.
0: Somebody said in your book, I've struggled with shame all my life, especially around claiming my authentic self. But now I'm able to say, this is who I am. So it's yes. you know I I mean one of the things I could hear during an integration is I feel like I've come home. Mm. I haven't been home in myself or my body ever. Yes. And now I've had this experience. I mean for for me and you know and I think it's the first time I felt not afraid of mm. of other people, you know? I mean I wasn't even aware that I was had this this layer of fear around other or guardedness around other people. And w- what was most amazing to me was a sense of that's gone. Yes. I don't have any fear. Nobody's going to come at me and hit me.
1: Well, that's because it actually does have an effect on the amygdala. You know, we've talked about the amygdala a little bit. That's the sort of uh, crocodile brain. That's right. all about sort of protecting and finding where the danger is. And in our society, we're so like amygdala heavy on a certain level of like, you got it, you got to do and somebody's out to get you and you got to succeed and you got to beat the other guy and all that. It's amygdala heavy and a lot of cortisol heavy. And this this is found to sort of tamp down the amygdala and the um, hormones that it secretes, which are really damaging to the body in many ways. Yes. You know, and so it's just, it's very interesting that that, it makes sense that that would be the feeling. If your amygdala sort of stands down, then you can be more in your prefrontal cortex, more in your limbic system, and able to connect and and feel safe.
2: Yes, and that transforms your relationship to the world because, as uh, I believe it was Anais Nin who said, we don't see things as they are, we see things as we are. And so if uh, uh, you can have this profound experience that you're really safe, uh, that, uh, that uh, the world can be a wonderful place uh, and full of people who are as, as aching for true love and connection as you are, um, then you can start seeing people not as threats but as potential allies
1: and this also links to a show a couple of shows that we did around you know emotional dampening syndromes like alexithymia and anhedonia and i can imagine this would be a way to start to open that because again like those brain centers aren't firing or maybe the amygdala is too much and i think it it provides an opportunity for people to maybe experience something very different who might be yes. so mm-hmm. depressed in there well, well chronic, chronic
0: stress can create alexithymia and anhedonia. So, exactly. um, if you want to know what it's like to not be chronically stressed, you know, try a, a MDMA experience. Like Charlie says, they used it in couples therapy back before it was illegal, and you could do six months of couples therapy in a day, and you Oops. might just w- awaken your senses enough that um, you don't have to, you won't be alexithymic anymore. You won't have, what alexithymia is like not having words from my emotions. You'll be so in touch with yourself that now I can identify, oh, wow, I do feel anger. I do feel happiness. I do feel fear. So MDMA could be um, an agent that reawakens these things for you. And I want to remind our audience, the FDA is uh, on the verge of, making it legal. It is called it a breakthrough therapy, MDMA-assisted psychotherapy for PTSD and psilocybin for treatment-resistant depression, a breakthrough therapy. So Charlie told us in the last show that uh, it's scheduled, you know, it's on target. And hopefully there are no detours on this way. I want it sooner, but 2023 looks like a realistic estimation of when it will be prescribable. Is there any chance for that to speed that up, Charlie?
2: Uh, just to speed that up? <laughs> yes. Do you do you
0: know the current president?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, just to just to sort of dovetail on that, um, they are deep into research uh, for using MDMA with a substance use disorders. Anxiety and or depression associated with terminal illness, post-traumatic stress, and obsessive-compulsive disorder. So- I get it.
0: And I'm just wondering, if, why wait till 2023? I'm asking, Charlie, is there a way that this is going to happen sooner? Or why is it going to take this last phase? Well, they, you, you know, that the, the
2: FDA is um, – I don't want to criticize them. They, they are very slow and methodical in their ways because they don't want uh, – bad medicines who speed through the regulatory process and and hit the market uh so they're being very careful as as I think they should be uh there is uh, now expanded access uh which means that a very limited number of people can use MDMA right now through their doctors and applying to the FDA for approval of, for use, but it's very limited. It's like only about 50 people right now are allowed to do that. Uh, it's, it, there's no way to really open it up until it becomes a le- legal prescription medication, and it's probably going to take uh, two to three years.
1: Where can someone find any active clinical trials? Are there any going on?
2: Well, yes, they're going on right now, and uh, if you want to be part of those trials, you get in touch with MAPS. That's M-A-P-S dot org, Uh, and uh, go on their website, and uh, I believe they're still taking uh, volunteers.
0: It's aid for you as a psychotherapist you mentioned uh this ability to be more receptive now and empathy yes. more mm-hmm. uh, but talk first about fear charlie and the opposite of fear is joy because you do mention fear in the book quite a bit mdma is is really a, an aid in seeing how fear can really be an illusion as well
2: uh yes I don't know if fear is always an illusion, it might be a signal that you might need to pay attention to some kind of danger in your life. Right. Um, the thing with fear that I've had to learn is, uh, as we say in the psychedelic community, when, when you get the message, hang up the phone. Uh, so if if you're feeling fear, it might be your body telling you there's some danger that you might need to attend to, and there's some action you might need to take. Fine, so take the action, and then relax, uh, and uh, and and set the fear aside. Um, but I have—I uh, I was. <laughs> my mother used to call me a worrywart when I was growing up. Uh, I think I was looking back on it now. I was suffering from some intergenerational trauma because mm-hmm. uh, I was born in 1949, just a few years after the Holocaust. Uh, my my relatives understood. Uh, how uh, at risk all of us were um, for a time. Um, I I absorbed a lot of fears from my uh, parents and grandparents growing up. Uh, And of course, I was raised in the 50s and 60s where there are all these things to be afraid of, whether it was uh, the bomb or uh, violence of various types and various struggles. Um, MDMA helped me Help balance the cortisol in my system with uh, and and the anxiety with uh, with the serotonin and the oxytocin uh, and 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 the peace and well-being that uh, that they bring and realize that uh, fear is one emotion uh, and that uh, but when when uh, when I'm high on MDMA I get in touch with the joy of simply being alive right now in a human body and feeling absolutely glorious. Although that's chemically induced, I can anchor it in my body for a future reference. And it also gives me a whole other sense of what it's like to be alive. I liken it to, you know, that metaphor of the fish that swims around in the ocean all its life, and one day jumps out of the water and is in the air and then jumps back in. And for those few seconds, that fish, and speaking philosophically here, of course, understands it used to think that all there was was water. Uh, It used to think of itself as water jump out of that border for a few seconds realize oh there's a whole other world out there it's a whole other way of being and after you you taste that whole other way of being you're never quite the same again you realize that your life can open up at any point in your life and you can have uh, new experiences of exploration and discovery including at a ripe old age and so uh, these are some of the revolutionary or evolutionary aspects of using MDMA that I have, I have discovered.
0: The opposite of fear is joy, and you're describing really joy. I, I couldn't help but think about the birth canal. You know, we did exist in water as this, as beings at one point. That was idyllic and beautiful, and then we were, and then the water broke, and then we were brought into a whole nother reality. But maybe MDMA can get us back in the water. Um, even though in your your metaphor it was like getting out of the water but I couldn't help but think about that but that's a good part of the book you do talk about fear uh, to a a good degree and again my experience was that it was the first time I experienced total absence of fear and that in itself was enough um, I guess I could say that I have potential for joy uh, though i didn 't get there uh, mm-hmm. in that experience but mm-hmm. um, i I could certainly see the potential for it yes i I believe joy is our birthright it really is
2: it's uh we're we 're here to uh, to like i like to say bring heaven to earth and to realize that uh, uh we 're all connected and that uh, people want a need to connect. Uh, and, you know, I live in this marvelous, awful, terrible, and astonishing place called New York City, and where it looks like everyone is just wants to keep to themselves, but I've noticed that when I come out of that trance and I reach out to a stranger on the subway or on, on the street to just say hello or just just um, offer my seat, or, uh, or or just have a kind word or a smile, that they respond. Uh, people, that's what they want. They really want to connect. Uh, people are, are are hungry for connection.
1: And again, you're talking about that miraculous shift from you know being ruled by the amygdala to coming into your prefrontal cortex and 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 recognizing that you know, human beings and life isn't all danger. And mm-hmm. that's a big shift. That's a really big shift for a lot of people to even imagine and um, maybe even experience.
2: MDMA, yes, that's well put. And, and MDMA induces the experience of pro which is the sneaking suspicion that the universe is out to do me good.
1: As opposed to paranoia. Yes.
0: (laughs) That's right. Which is the sneaking suspicion that somebody's going to stab me in the back. That's right. right. That's Right. right. Wonderful, Charlie. You're listening to Charlie Winninger talking about his book, Listening to Ecstasy The Transformative Power of MDMA, here on The Positive Mind. We're going to take a musical break and we will be back in a moment. And we are back. I'm Kevin O'Donohue, Licensed Mental Health Counselor.
1: I'm Nisima Diane Deemer, Licensed Massage Therapist.
0: And you're listening to The Positive Mind, where we have our guest today, Charlie Winninger, and his book coming out, Listening to Ecstasy, The Transformative Power of MDMA. And if you want to reach Charlie, you can go to his website, Charlie with an E-Y, C-H-A-R-L-E-Y-W-I-N-I-N-G-E-R. Dot com charlie com
1: he also has a very informative youtube channel listening to ecstasy so subscribe to that if you're interested in learning more and hearing from charlie he's he's on weekly and has lots of great information
0: we're talking about ecstasy again, and this is our last half hour, Charlie. Thank you for being here for over an hour and a half. Now people can listen to the show, the Positive Mind Radio Show. Um, let's talk about America. Let's talk about um, normalizing um, MDMA because so many people have memories, psychedelics from the sixties and seventies, and you know, there's horror stories back then. Um, and now, you know, we're, we've learned that. All of that fear and worry wasn't really that warranted. And psychedelics can actually be used to cure yourself, get cured of certain uh, mental health conditions, but also to enhance your life. I mean, America, we're kind of consumers in the first place. We have pretty hard-driving addictions um, when we compare ourselves to other countries. And in your book, you talk about... um, the use of drugs in America through the mouth, like cigarettes, like caffeine, like alcohol. Why not MDMA when we're doing all of these other things? I mean, how does MDMA compare in damage that that cigarettes could do? So could you talk a little bit about this part of the book where you, you mention uh, America as using some of these potentially oh, yes. very harmful uh-huh. drugs? Alcohol, of course, doesn't have to be harmful, but it can
2: be, of course. Any uh, common drug uh, like caffeine can be harmful uh, in, uh, when when it's overused, and certainly cigarettes, uh, nicotine is, is is very harmful. Um, and I like to say that for people who say, "Well, I I, I I drink, but I don't do drugs." Well, excuse me, but you you drink your drugs. Uh, that doesn't mean you don't do them,
0: right? Uh,
2: uh, America is moving towards liberalization and uh, and reform of 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 these uh, prohibitions uh, against psychedelics. and people uh, are voting these measures now into uh, into use. And psilocybin mushrooms are now legal in 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 Oregon. Cannabis was just legalized in New Jersey uh, and District of Columbia liberalized some laws. So the country's moving in that direction. Uh, but I, I, I say in the book, we all draw the line somewhere when it, when it comes to drug use. Uh, and some people draw the line at legality. I draw the line at efficacy, at, at, at practicality, uh, and what drugs are useful and what drugs are not. And I find MDMA, this is me, I'm not saying it's going to be your experience. Um, but uh, MDMA for me is when used appropriately and and w- with attention to the guidelines, uh, I find it uh, very beneficial in, in a multitude of ways.
1: I just wanted to comment that this is a very brave sort of book to write. I mean, it's about a personal journey with a substance that isn't legal, with as astronaut sort of you know exploration of a new universe and you know I really appreciate it and there are Michael Pollan had his book where he Mm. you know experimented with multiple psychedelics and that and that also I think opens the minds of people to to just be open to this to start shifting your dependence on you know pharmaceutical companies or you know to move towards things that are really truly potentially integrative and helpful in in making that shift so you're also with alternative medicine and alternatives being more accepted like you have to take a certain responsibility as a client patient person on this journey to to do the things that are going to help you and follow up with it like yes. that integration process the you're on a journey and if you want to you know heal and feel better in yourself you, you can take these steps and follow up and get support and feel connected
2: yes i i'd like to call it existential medicine where you you know you're we're only here on this planet once Maybe there's reincarnation. I don't know. I can't. I'm I'd hoping repeat. another I, I,
0: time. I'm just getting it right no, now.
2: <laughs> I know, but we can't, we can't bet on it. We can't count on it. So I'm here to live the best life I can. And that means sometimes living a life outside the box. And uh, I'm making bold choices about uh, taking charge of the chemistry in my body. Uh, and so uh, I decided that... I'm here to live the best life I can, and so I'm going to uh, experiment responsibly with these medicines to enhance my life. And uh, it's been a successful journey for me.
0: And some psychedelics have been used for people with cancer, right? And, And to alleviate the existential anxiety of death.
2: Yes, they've done very successful experiments in Johns Hopkins uh, with uh, end-of-life anxiety with psilocybin mushrooms, um, where it doesn't cure them of the cancer, uh, but it helps them accept their uh, their dying. It helps them uh, uh, communicate and want to communicate with their families who don't want to talk about these issues, about the fact that they're about to lose a loved one with their loved ones. Uh, but uh, after an experience uh, that many uh, people experience as one of the most profound experiences of their life, um, it helps them deal with uh, the fact that you know we're all uh, here temporarily, and uh, helps them accept their their, their dying and uh, alleviate their anxiety, which is so much of the pain of, of dying is the anxiety around it. Right, and you
0: even say in the book, when I identify what's eternal in me, and therefore indestructible, I'll be less afraid of it, meaning death.
2: Yes, it's it's true. uh, These substances, these medicines have helped me uh, accept my mortality, at least more than I used to accept it. It's still hard for me to accept, because they've also made me feel so joyous and 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 grateful
0: for being alive, I don't want it to end right, right you had so many decades of struggle, then you discovered this substance, and it's like now I know what what it joy feels like, don't take it away from me I can <laughs>
2: right
0: at least give me as many decades where I was struggling to have where I've experienced joy that's that's my feeling about it, yes. <laughs> yes. um. But the but universe is back no, to something that, and yeah. the theme
2: of you. So you really touched me before when you said it was a brave book to write. Um, as I think we discussed in the other, uh, the, the, our first installment here uh, about uh, joy being the, the the opposite of fear. I felt such mm-hmm. joy with my MDMA experiences that helped me overcome the fear of writing the book and coming out of the chemical closet uh, and being open. I, 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 couldn't stand hiding anymore. It was, uh, painful to not be all of the, to not to misrepresent myself by this lie of omission that I'm really, uh, a, a, a person who values sobriety above all things. Well, I don't. Um, I, uh, I, I spend most of my time sober and I know what it's like to, uh, to, to, to be dangerously unsober because I had brushes with with bad drugs in in, in the 1970s, uh, but I know that uh, the, the judicious use of of good medicines like MDMA can really improve my life. And I'm t- I was tired of hiding about it and and not being open about it. And the joy of these experiences helped me overcome any fear of writing the book.
1: And it's it's kind of the ultimate connection, right? You're you're sending this book out to hundreds of thousands of people, and connecting your and sharing one's experience is the best way to connect.
2: Yes, thank you. It's it's uh, it's my gift to the world, and I I hope we'll. uh, be uh, of use to to people
0: well charlie before people buy the book can they get an excerpt of it because i want to emphasize again um the style of the book one of the things i liked most about the book was the style that it was a book you could put down and pick up and be back in the trance of this book and i think mostly that is uh, attributed to the style of the book your your kind of informal way of talking about your journey um, your experiences and everything—is there a way people could get an excerpt of it?
2: Um, well, there's an excerpt online at uh, on, on Amazon, uh, an excerpt from the uh, the prologue that you can see. That's right a there. that's a
0: perfect place to start. I love the style mm-hmm. of the prologue; it brings you right into the book. Again, the name of the book is "Listening to Ecstasy: The Transformative Power of MDMA." It is, is on Amazon right now as we speak, and you can get a. Uh, a sample of the style of this writing, because I want to take up a little bit here, Charlie, uh, your experience as a therapist, um, because you say a lot of important things as a therapist and how it's transformed your practice, your way of being with clients. I just have to put a plug in for a woman called Denise Rue, who wrote an article on psilocybin and her use of psilocybin she took a mega dose of psilocybin 10 grams which we know is a lot of psilocybin have you heard this article by denise no i haven't but i would never personally i would never do 10 grams. yeah no i we wouldn't but and she deliberately did but she talked Uh about it being such a transformative experience for her as a therapist Mm. that it was really a a spiritual experience and that it made her a much more of a receptor Of her clients now, you um, and I could definitely see that uh, uh, as a a, an experience on that much of psilocybin because it can be like uh, a spiritual experience, and I think some of these medicines can get people so in touch with their mortality uh, and this fear of death that it becomes almost a spiritual experience.
2: Yes, and uh, uh, to be in touch with the part of me that's beyond my personality and beyond my body even, uh, the part of me that was here before I came into this incarnation and will be here afterwards.
1: And how does that affect how you are with clients?
2: You know, I really believe intellectually that it's a quality of my presence that matters more than any particular modality or technique I use. Uh, and... Uh, my presence is is affected in that I can be more receptive and more empathetic and compassionate with clients uh, because I can have a more heart-centered approach when I'm with them. Um, I I don't, and I prefer the term client to patient because client presupposes a more equal footing with the person and I'm not like the healthy doctor treating the sick patient I'm just one person in the room with another person in the room and we're meeting each other person to person and, and, uh, and I'm there to listen in a deep way.
0: It kind of makes me think of the anchoring experience because of the MDMA that you are so anchored through that experience of being at peace and calm and that a, cl- a client can't help but pick that up when you're with them. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a lot of times we can feel our therapist is reaching for things to uh, engage us more deeply, and nothing works more than the presence.
2: Yes. Yes. Um, and the type of therapy I'm trained in, Gestalt therapy, it's all about the here and now. And it's all about the I and thou of, 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 the, of the relationship between uh, me and and the client, and uh, and really connecting with them and not trying to impose my agenda on them and trying to get them to change in, in the way that I want, right. um, but to help them, uh, uh, help them come out of themselves and speak so that their own solutions become readily apparent to them.
0: Right. You say, when I use my empathic skills to listen to a client, I'm also listening into and through them. Feeling my way intuitively into their being. Yes. Now you've been a therapist for thirty years. I before MDMA. W- <laughs> were you doing that before MDMA? Um, not as
2: much. No, I've I've learned to uh, to do that more so with it with the help of MDMA, and you know I've done it between sixty five and seventy five sixty five and seventy times over the past twenty years, and it has a cumulative effect over time it 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 has subtly altered my my chemistry um, and uh, because i've had so much so many experiences of being in the uh, profound moment, uh, the hyper now. I might call it, mm. um, and and being in in a, in a there in a in a heart centered way um, that uh, I've anchored that into my body and can call upon it during a, a therapeutic session.
1: And it sounds like the cumulative effect is a kind of trust that you've developed in the hyper mm. now. in the, that that's that that's a real experience that that is a real beneficial experience.
2: Yes. And let's face it, the only place healing can occur is in the moment and uh, being in a profound connection with, with a person. That's what people need, and I call MDMA the chemical of connection because uh, it helps you connect with uh, uh, yourself and it urges you towards connecting with the, the, the people uh, right right there in your, in your presence.
0: Charlie, you have a really interesting prayer, as it's called, a prayer for the journey here by Rich Orloff, I think a friend of yours, uh, preparatory to taking MDMA. And I thought it was really beautiful. So I want to just read some of that. Um, I welcome you into my body and soul. I welcome your teachings, your inspirations, your healings. And I welcome all parts of myself that may rise and visit me during this journey. I welcome the place where I connect to more than just the me I already know. I welcome the place where I connect to others and to a divine place I may not be able to define but which I am open to knowing. I invite all of me to participate in this journey.
1: (laughs) I could almost think that would be a beautiful prayer for every day. I mean, mm-hmm. imagine that, like if we could just wake up and say that, you know, I invite all of me to participate today, mm. yes. my journey today.
2: Yes. even it's a, a practice of radical acceptance uh, and uh, um, being all that you are and saying yes to every part of you.
0: And it is unmistakably a journey. We take other medicines and other drugs, and we're not guaranteed a journey. But I think when you take MDMA, you're guaranteed a journey. And I like this prayer because it, it, it says to welcome. At first, it, it brings your mind to intention. When we, when we take these other drugs, necessarily, we're not necessarily entering with an intention. But here, we're entering with an intention and recognizing that I have certain parts of me that I don't know maybe so well and that they might come out in these this journey and that that's welcome all parts of that are welcome that's right
1: and it starts with a receptivity you know i'm 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 taking this in i think we don't know how to receive hmm. in our culture it's all about give 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 and we end up empty and and so, trust right i'm yeah.
0: trusting this so I'd think Charlie, thank you for that. I'd think Charlie, for the last part of our show i I'd like you to revisit what we talked about in the first show about its enhancement for you and your wife and for its potential for couples and people in general um as couples let's say let's let's limit it to that because we don't have uh, as much time as I'd like. Can sure. you revisit that? Shelley and
2: I have found that at least for us and other couples that we know that MDMA can act like emotional superglue for our relationship, uh, bringing us down to a a deeper, more heartfelt and profound connection beyond our personality, beyond our differences uh, to uh, a soul deep level of, of connection and helps bond us in that way. And after doing it so many times together, we are, (laughs) very bonded uh, in a a place of, of, of heart and, and, and joy and also play, playfulness. Um, We, we, we play like two babies sometimes in the pen uh, in the crib. uh, And (laughs) um, uh, it's, it's, it's quite, quite joyful. And uh, without any of the um, uh, armor that I might have had, Uh, with um, other relationships in the past.
1: I can imagine it. It's like just hearing you talk about that, I I think and reflect on couples that come to, because we've done like these safe conversations, workshops and things, they come with so many wounds, childhood wounds, you know, relationship wounds. These things are so, you know, they muck everything up in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And you know, what you're saying is like, you know, you can take this and somehow cut through all that and really see and accept the other in some yes, precious because, way.
2: Yes, because this, this joy that I speak of, this love, this playfulness, these can all be transformative, transformational experiences uh, uh, when you do it with a partner. Uh, and uh, to realize that you can bond on that, that primal place of whether that before you um learned how to adjust to the rules of society uh, and um and it, it it tends to heal those those wounds at least temporarily and with integration work it more more permanently um so that uh you're not just two people Sparking off of each other, from y- your wound to their wound, and 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 uh, and uh, that's why discussions devolve into fights, and uh, and and then the fight becomes about the fight, and you're off to the races. And next thing you know, you have to spend a lot of money on therapists like me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, instead, uh, we've found that with an MDMA experience under the right settings and. Uh, with the right protocols in place uh, and knowing how to do it safely. Um, so it's a controlled experience that we can bond on this heart-to-heart level that that goes beneath the wound uh, and can be very, very healing.
0: I could see part of the play would be, let's say I'll bring my five favorite CDs and you bring your five. Is that, <laughs> where does music fit in here, Charlie? Is there music?
2: Oh music part is part of the a wonderful part wonderful role to play with an MDMA experience because uh two uses number 1 um using music uh, uh, a, 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 a trip hop genre of music or uh uh Buddha lounge uh, that type of music uh this is very exotic type of sensual music which is uh um, we found it's great for lovemaking, actually, but it's also great to just have in the background during an MDMA experience because it supports this feeling of peacefulness and well-being. Also, you can use MDMA to dance your butt off uh, at, with electronic dance music mm. uh, or any type of music with a strong beat, uh, because when I'm, when I'm dancing on MDMA, I feels like I'm being danced, Like I'm like MDMA is a marionette, and it's just sort of dancing me across the dance floor, and I'm almost weightless. It's a thrilling experience that I never thought I could have at age seventy-one.
0: And you do this in public?
2: (laughs) (laughs) If I'm around a lot of other people, we've gone to. all night experiences uh, and, uh, and to regional burns. Uh, in other words, a, a, a regional breakaway from uh, Burning Man, uh, the annual festival in the desert, uh, uh, where we've gone with a, just a thousand other people and uh, spent the weekends uh, uh, dancing and having all these wonderful experiences with, with other revelers. And NBMA, we found to be an incredibly
0: versatile uh, uh, substance. And we're reminded that it was legal back in the early 80s, I think, and mm-hmm. that couples counselors were using it with their couples, and that on our last show, Charlie said that you could do six months of therapy in one session with MDMA, properly used. Uh, I believe I could, yes. Um, and I look forward to the
2: day when... Uh, when I can do so. and uh, But they are doing clinical trials
0: now with, with couples uh, and to do that kind of therapy. I want you to say why, Charlie. I mean, um, wh- how can it be so effective in one session between two people and a therapist? Because it helps you
2: drop your guard and helps it you floods your body with serotonin and oxytocin so that you feel this profound feeling of safety and well-being, so that you can imagine being with your partner, especially a partner that you've had a lot of uh, uh, tension with, and being able to feel completely safe with them, and them with you, and getting back to the love that brought you together in the first place. uh, It it can just resuscitate and rehabilitate uh, a, a relationship that has been in trouble.
0: And it didn't occur to me that we could say to couples now, uh, the first comment, how guarded are you? Without mm. the use of MDMA, who would have thought that as a question, that this is the obstacle? I am so hurt and pro- yes. so protecting myself that I, ha- I have no room to look at the relationship, never mind feel positive about the relationship or contact the times when it was positive positive. Yes, and MDMA can take away all of that, so that we can get right back down to what our original feeling for each other, or what That's still right. might be there—the
2: core of the love uh, that brought you together, uh, and that, uh, uh, and as well as that spark of joy that that you had at the beginning, with the infatuation at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, and get in touch with uh, the chemistry that brought you together at the beginning. Um, Shelley and I have been blessed with both kinds of good chemistry between us Mm. in the course of our relationship.
0: Well, we look forward to when it does become legal, uh, most reasonably in in three years from now, 2023, but hopefully sooner even, Mm -hmm. um, because our two hours with you, Charlie, has convinced me of really the magic of of mdma the potential of this substance for people and the relative um, lack of harm to it it seems if
2: if if uh, one does it following the guidelines if you don't know what you're doing please don't do mdma Mm. Uh, you've got to have only pure mdma you've got to weigh it out correctly you've got to have Attention to set and setting uh the mindset going in and 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 your surroundings uh you have to be adequately hydrated you've got to know the safety protocols and if you don't know them, you have to you, then you you shouldn't do it you have to respect that this is a powerful medication and can only be done under the right circumstances
0: and all of these protocols are in the book. The book is called Listening to Ecstasy The Transformative Power of MDMA. This is a first for us, Charlie. And, and, uh, you know, we're going out on a limb here talking about, yes, something that is not currently legal, but will be. And that you have really done an act of courage uh, putting this out there before uh, anybody else in such a big and dramatic way. And uh, I want to thank you for the book, it was a wonderful read. And again, it's Listening to Ecstasy, the Transformative Power of MDMA. I'm Kev who Licensed Thank Mental you. Health Counselor.
1: And I'm Nasima Diane Deemer, Licensed Massage Therapist. And we just want to make sure you've got all of Charlie's information. You can contact him at charliewinninger.com, C-H-A-R-L-E-Y-W-I-N-I-N-G-E-R. His book is on Amazon, and he also has a YouTube channel, very helpful resource, Listening to Ecstasy on YouTube.
0: Thanks for being with us, folks. We'll see you next week. Thanks again, Charlie. Thank you.